Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. But we are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And this is what I want you to hear. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today, Archbishop Foley Beach brings us his message entitled, The Glory of God, The Way of Holiness. We are in the midst of a series of sermons entitled, Advent Sermons from Isaiah. And what I've been attempting to do is to take the theme of Advent, which is the coming of the Lord, and look at these passages from Isaiah and see how they connect to his coming again or to his first coming. Now, why is this important to us today? Some people say, you know, this happened so long ago. After all, Isaiah lived about 700 years before Christ, so that means it was 2,700 years ago. What in the world does it have to do with us? Well, I think there's several reasons. First, there's a reason we celebrate Advent and Christmas. It's tradition, yes, but it's more than tradition. There's an intellectual reason behind it. Second, the reason that we believe Jesus is the Messiah, it isn't just that it happened in a vacuum. There was some intellectual substance behind that. There was a cultural and a historic context of why we believe Jesus was the Messiah. The third reason why I think it's important is that we don't know our Bibles as well as we should. And when we do these kind of studies, it helps make the connections for us and builds our faith. And another reason is that we're encouraged, I believe, when we see how God acted in a strategy and a plan to reconnect the human race to himself. Now we're this morning looking at Isaiah 35. So if you have your Bible, if you'd open please, or the scripture insert, Isaiah 35, beginning with verse 1. And these first few verses show a picture. Isaiah sees this vision of the desert being renewed the roughness of the desert coming alive with flowers and fresh growth. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like a crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and of Sharon. When he speaks of the glory of Lebanon and the splendor of Mount Carmel and of Sharon. Those were lush places at that time. If you go there now, they're not. But at that point, they were beautiful, fertile places. And he says it's going to be like that. And then the next phrase, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. They will see the glory of the Lord. Now, if I was to ask you to define the glory of the Lord, I wonder what you'd say. What's, what does the glory of the Lord mean? Some of us might say, well, it's like praise the Lord, because we say to the glory of God. Someone else might say, well, it ties into glory, hallelujah. It's a way to just declare God's greatness. 
Well, when you see the phrase, the glory of the Lord, in the Bible it's speaking of God's literal presence, His essence. It's when God shows up, He shows up in His glory. It's who He is. It's, it's His literal presence. Now it says here that they will see the glory of the Lord. Let me try to explain it further by doing a quick survey through the Scripture on the glory of the Lord. And the reason I'm doing this is this is one of these phrases we hear, but it doesn't connect. For example, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, we have the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And they've sinned and blown it. And in verse 8 it says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. His glory is His presence, His literal presence. It's who God is when He shows up. In Exodus chapter 33, beginning with verse 12, Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're out in the wilderness. And if you remember the story, what they would do when they would set camp, they'd set a tent of meeting where Moses would meet with the Lord outside the tent. I mean, excuse me, outside the camp. And Moses would go out and he would meet with the Lord. And one of these occasions, Moses says to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and I found favor with you. But if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Moses is kind of getting a little uptight with God. And the Lord responds, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses says to him, If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us, Lord. And then he says this in verse 18. Moses says, Lord, now show me your glory. Lord, show me your glory. And the next verse says, The Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, You cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. And then the Lord said, There's a place near me where you can stand on a rock when my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand from you and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. Now can you picture this? The glory of the Lord is who He is. It's His presence. And it's so sacred and so intense that the Lord says, Moses, you can't see it and live. So I'll let you see my backside. In Exodus 34, verse 29, we have another story about Moses going up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the commandments of God. And in this case, he's receiving the Ten Commandments. And you may remember the story. When he comes down from the mountain, he's glowing. He's radiating. He's been in the presence of the Lord. And the people didn't want to have anything to do with him. Because they were kind of scared. And if you see in verse 33 of this chapter, it says, Well, Moses spoke to the people, and then he puts a veil over his face. 
until he went back into the Lord's presence so the people wouldn't see his, the glory of the Lord fading off of him. The glory of the Lord was God's presence, his literal presence. Well, there's another story in Exodus chapter 40. We're told that one day the priests are uh, out in the tabernacle. And Moses was going out to worship. And it says this in verse 34, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had set, settled on it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then it goes on to say, In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if it did not lift, they would not set out until the day it lifted. That was called the Shekinah glory cloud, representing the glory of the Lord, His presence. Well, years later, King David has died and his son Solomon is now the king of Israel. This is years later. And Solomon builds this temple to glorify God in Jerusalem. And he's having the dedication service. And in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, we hear this. When the priest withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord. And the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. The glory of the Lord was his presence. Well, in Ezekiel chapters 8 through 10, we find that the people of God were not satisfied with God. And they began to put idols in the temple, and some they even painted on the walls. And in Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 18, we see that Ezekiel has this picture. He describes this picture of the glory leaving the temple. Verse 18, then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple. And he goes on to describe it gradually leaving. And the glory of the Lord departed and was not to return. But there's this word of God through the prophet Isaiah that they would see the glory of the Lord. And yet all is quiet for hundreds of years until there were some shepherds out in a field watching their flocks by night. And in Luke chapter 2 verse 9 we're told that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were terrified. And then the angels declared the birth of Jesus. You remember that story, which we'll hear in a few weeks. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Apostle John writes, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Are you making this connection? Can you see what's happening in Jesus there's a story about Jesus in Luke chapter 9 where he and Peter and James and John go up on the mountaintop. And he begins to pray and we're told the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared with glorious splendor talking with Jesus and they spoke about his departure. Peter and his companions were very sleepy but when they became fully awake they saw His glory 
and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving, Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us put up three shelters for you, one for you and Moses and Elijah. And while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped him. Remember the cloud? And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. They will see the glory of the Lord. The text continues. Isaiah chapter 35 verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped and the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. In the gospel reading we heard this morning from Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison and he sends some of his disciples to Jesus and he asks, Are you the one? Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive the sight, their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. He quotes this from Isaiah chapter 35. And that last line, the good news is preached from the poor, that's from Isaiah 61, which we saw last week, which was another prophecy about the Messiah. This was a result of the glory of the Lord appearing upon the earth. I want to take this theme just two steps further. After Jesus was crucified and then he was rose from the dead and then the Holy Spirit came and the early church began. The apostles, or the, the, he was a deacon actually, Stephen, was serving the people and he, began, he was arrested and he had to defend his faith. And we're told that in Acts chapter 7 verse 55, Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and as he's giving witness, eventually he makes them mad and they begin to stone him. You've seen pictures of that where they put someone in a pit and they just start stoning them. And so he looks up into heaven and somehow he has this vision and he sees the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Look, he says, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. Can you see the connection here with Jesus and the glory of the Lord? Now one more thing, and this is where it really takes a twist. When you and I come to Jesus Christ by faith, we're given the Holy Spirit, who is God, to live within us and to indwell us and to empower us to serve Him. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he talks about Moses being up on the mountain. And he, he reminds them of the story of Moses going up and when he'd come down, he'd put a veil over so the light bulb wouldn't go out in front of everybody. They wouldn't see the glory fade. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13, he writes, But we are not like Moses, 
who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull. For this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And this is what I want you to hear. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Did you catch that? We are now to reflect the Lord's glory, His presence, His very essence, through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. We are to shine with the radiance of who God is in our world that needs Him so desperately. That's the glory of the Lord. Briefly, I want to call your attention to one other thing. And that's in verse 8. And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. The way of holiness. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. The way of holiness. Now there is a highway there right now. It goes right up to Jerusalem. I've been on it. It's like one of our interstates. It goes right up to it. But that's not the way of holiness he's talking about. There's a way set for those who have been made holy by Jesus. For those who come to him in faith. By those who accept what he did on the cross for them. Who receive the forgiveness of their sins. There is a way of holiness. Like a roadway you're traveling. Only the saved are on that highway. We'd want everybody else to be on it. We'd like everybody else to be on it. But it's only the saved. Verse 9. No lion will be there, nor any ferocious beast get up to it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. The way of holiness. It's the highway to heaven. By the way, what were the early Christians called by the apostles? All the New Testament letters, they begin, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to the saints. The saints. That literally is holy ones. Those who have been made righteous in Jesus. Meaning you. Meaning me. Those of us who come to him by faith. Those who are on the road of holiness. The way of holiness. So technically, we who by faith and are following Jesus, we're on that way of holiness. i just throw that out for you to consider this morning. So we've got the way of holiness and the glory of God. I don't know about you, but the glory of the Lord, just that whole concept turns me upside down. That the Lord would entrust me and entrust you to be vessels of His glory to this needy world. But that's how he set it up. He desires us to walk in that way of holiness so that then we can be his vessels of love.
and care and compassion and righteousness to our world. Let's pray together. Father, some of us this morning need to reconsider our relationship with you. For some of us, it's just formal and personal, a duty. Lord, I pray that you'd melt all of our hearts, including mine, that we would be vessels of yours, that the holiness of your life and the glory of your presence would be free to live in us and work through us to reach our needy world. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to A Word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks who go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you a just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but, but just the way it is. And a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what he's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin, is God's solution for being alienated from him, to believe that through Jesus I can be made whole, that I can be healed, that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess, confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive him as their savior. They want their, what I call, fire insurance, make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow him to be their Lord, to be the one who uh, is the master of their life. And and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple. Um, And yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the solution. And confess that Jesus is your Lord. I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and and say a simple prayer. Uh, Confess your sin to Him. Tell Him you believe in Him. And then begin to confess Him as your Savior and Lord. If you've done that, I encourage you to uh, let me know. I'd like to send you some materials so, to help you grow in your Christian faith. It's, it's like becoming a, a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God. That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. A word from the Lord.org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one minute radio feature and much more. So visit a word from the Lord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find a word from the Lord on Facebook and be sure to click the like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. 
On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. Again, his email is foleybeach at a word from the Lord.org. You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.